Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Are you happy to be at church? Come on. That's good. So I just so appreciate the, the honoring of God of his word that when we worship and gather that he meets us and he fills the room with a sense of, of, of him, of his presence. And, you know, I, I worshiped on, you know, online when we were not meeting and, and it was, you could still sense God's presence. And, and for those of you who are doing so, continue to do that. I believe God's grace. But for me personally, when we came back together to, I want to be with people and worship God, I just felt his presence. So can we give God one more hand for his faithfulness? Amen. There, there was a, a bit of a joke um, I was telling. I haven't told it publicly, but I'll say it. I didn't do it first service. I'll do it second service. You know, some people said, Jason, you know, what was it that, that caused us to, 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 to get back and start meeting again? And, and, uh, and there are, there's some real significant spiritual answer to that. But on a funny practical side, it was simply this. I could no longer tolerate trying to walk my mother-in-law through how to watch online. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I said, forget it. We're going back to church because I can't take this anymore. So uh, anyway, um, did anyone else feel the pain? Come on. Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) Actually, the reason why you're here is because you still haven't figured out what the Internet's for. That's really why you're here today. Um, anyway, I'm just kidding. Listen, this has been such a great series. We're going to continue to, to walk to it, walk through it. I'll do a message today and one next week, and then we're going to start another series after that where we're going to be looking at um, the book of Revelations, looking at the letters to seven churches, and seeing how God wants to speak to us today in this very incredible time for us as a church. But before I get into this message, it is so important that we we constantly honor those who serve us, who lay down their lives and time for us. And we have an incredible, incredible team here at Faith that serves you, that prepares the room, that that gets here early for worship and gets for our AV and they put in PowerPoints and we have a kitchen staff, we have a cleaning staff, we have maintenance that makes sure everything works and we have people who just go out of their way for one purpose so that you can come and experience the presence of God. That's their way of ministering to you. Can we say thank you to them for that? We're really so grateful. Amen. Well, we are going to step into this message today, and I'm really excited about it. And uh, the title of the series was a great title. I believe it, it, it personified the whole heart of Romans chapter 8, which is one of the most significant, theologically sound and rooted chapters of the whole of the Bible. It is called like a literary um, a, just masterpiece in Romans chapter 8, but it was not written just by a man. The pen of a man was used, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us things to live by today. And so I... Before we get into this, let's read the, the title of the series that I believe God has for all of us through this book, if we get it in our lives, and let's read it together. We are living the no condemnation, spirit-filled, power-infused, more than a conqueror. If God is for me, who can be against me? Supernatural. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, kind of life. That's the life we want. 
And so we believe that the Bible is for us today, and as we believe in it, as we lean into it, it does certain things in our lives that are tremendous and will carry us into eternity. But we have been walking this incredible mountain, really, of Romans chapter 8, mountain of truth. And we've been making our way from, from one aspect to another aspect, and we begin to ascend, per se, the mountain of Romans chapter 8. And unlike mountains that the higher you get, the more uncertain you get, this is the exact opposite. The higher you get on this mountain of chapter 8, the deeper things begin to speak to you. You actually feel more secure as you get higher. If you've ever driven up Lookout Mountain in Golden, um, if anybody has a fear of heights at the bottom, you're fine. You get around a couple curves and whoever, if you're not driving, sometimes the passenger seems to squeal a little bit, what well, my wife does. Um, and so as you get, and sometimes I go a little bit closer just for some fun, right? right? So the higher you get up there, the more freaked out people get, but not with God's truth. The more you get under you, the stronger you are, the more that you can understand who he is. And so as we get higher into here, into this mountain of truth in Romans 8, we feel more secure, we feel humbled, we feel encouraged, and we continue to live the life that God's called us to live. But I want to give a quick overview as, we've come, as we're coming to the end of this series next week. But in Romans 8 verse 1, I'm just going to run through it real quick. It says this, there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, meaning as a child of God, we explored the truth that condemnation has no place in your life as a believer. None whatsoever. People can try to condemn you, but they are just people and nobody has the power to condemn you. Whether you agree with them or don't agree with them, where you do it their way or not, forget it. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are not condemned. Everybody say not condemned. So as a child of God, condemnation isn't for you. You are not condemned any longer. Even when you stumble, even when you fall, and you sin in your journey, you are not condemned. It's important that what we learned is your identity as a believer never changes. So as you are following Jesus, when you stumble and fall and sin, which all of us may do, but we are still saints, our identity doesn't change. You are a saint who is living in a broken, fallen world with broken, falling flesh that won't be redeemed until the coming of Jesus Christ fully. But we do stumble and we do fall. But there was this mindset, and I, I even had it as a kid, you thought this, if I sinned, I'm no longer a part of God's family, and i got to repent quickly to get back into God's family. And so there is this always feeling of eternal insecurity. But if you are in Christ Jesus, you're a part of his family. Your old life is gone. Everything has been severed because you've been adopted and you have a new name and that name is you are a son and a daughter of the most high God, period, not changing. Is that good news? That's good news. But as you walk in your identity, what that means is you allow the Holy Spirit to continue to conform you into the image of Jesus. Then we get the Romans 8, 5 through 13. It shows us that we've received a new nature. We're no longer slaves of sin that darkens our lives. We are now sons and daughters. In verses 15 and 16, we're confronted with the truth that the God of the universe that created all things, that measures the universe with the span of his hands, knows your name, chose you, picked you, adopted you, and we can call him Abba, which is Hebrew for Father. 
Then in verse 17, we're not only children of God, but we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus, meaning we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus that has nothing to do with our performance. You're, the inheritance that you get as a, as, a, as a person on this earth from a family member has everything to do with your family, not because you earned it. It's an inheritance. You don't earn inheritance. It's given to you because of who your family is, and that's what God was speaking about there. Verses 18 through 27, we walk over to kind of a bit of a valley in this mountain. And we look deeply into this valley of suffering and we're reminded that the whole of creation is groaning. The earth is groaning. There's fires and earthquakes. There's pestilence. There's viruses. There's, there's storms and hurricanes. Why? Was this God orig God's original intent for the earth? No, it wasn't. But what's going on? As Scripture says, the earth is groaning for its creator. But just as the earth is groaning, we're groaning. Our bodies are groaning. I, I, seriously, I ran about 100 yards really fast about four days ago, and I pulled something in my hamstring. My body's groaning. Why? It's because we're not home yet. We're groaning, but we're not groaning as unto death. We're not groaning because we're going to die. We're groaning and longing for the new life that Jesus is going to bring us in our bodies and on the earth. It's so important for us to understand that. But not only are we groaning, now also it says that the Holy Spirit in us is groaning for us and on behalf of us. Now today, I'm going to revisit a passage we looked at last week. My friend Pastor Matt was in town, but I want to lean into these verses in 29 and 30. And as we do, I believe God wants to minister to you. He wants to speak to you. You probably maybe have never heard a message on these passages because they can be a little intimidating. But I, I believe if it's in the Bible, it's there for us. And God wants to speak to us from it. Amen. And so we want to commit this time to him. And so let's pick up Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And this is what it says. We know that all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. I believe that there was a divine plan for every person. I believe it. Many times, though, when you think of a, a divine plan, you think of very practical things like, what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? Should I take this job or that job? Or where should we live? Should I buy that car? Should we eat Mexican food or Chinese food? Always go to Mexican. That's what we know. <laughs> it's close to lunch, too, so I know. Come on, this is good. But, you know, we think about very practical things, right? We think about, oh, God, what, you know, what are your plans? And, yes, God does have plans for us on this earth, practical earthly plans that we can align with him and he can do things for us and open doors for us and whatever that, that bring us an extra basket of chips. Whatever that is, we know God has plans. But before we focus on God's life plans for this earth, we need to focus on God's spiritual plans for our souls. And that's very important for us to understand that today. That's what this passage is talking about. There's a spiritual plan for our souls from God 
for you. Think about this. If God has a plan for your earthly life, would he not have a plan also for your spiritual soul? He does. And we forget that. We forget that. We, we like to think, hey, listen, God, you've made plans for me. Where in the future, you know, and I pray that it, it, we, I see it and you help me walk in it. It's the same way for our spiritual souls. God has a plan for your soul and has had one from the beginning of time before you existed. And he has set a trajectory that if you will come into alignment with, you will experience what God has planned for you in your spiritual souls. And this verse can be intimidating. Because it's got words in it like predestination and foreknowledge. And it seems complicated. But the fact is this. It's actually very simple. And we're going to let God speak to us today. So I just want to walk through this. There are three aspects of this verse that I believe God wants you to anchor to. And that's simply this. The first one is there is a promise of God in this verse out of Romans 8.28. It's a promise. It is a promise of God. I know we're not doing paper notes. Just so you guys are aware, we do have an app. It's called if you get on the, uh, the app store, Faith Arvada, you can download it. In there is messages, different moments of worship. Also, there are um, notes on each, um, each message. So when you come here on Sunday morning, you can click on notes. You can fill it in. It's all right there. It's a great, great app. And then you can print them off or look at them later. So just so you're aware, that's available to you. But there is a promise of God in Romans 8, 28. And what's the promise? Well, the verse says this. We know. Everybody say, we know. Not, it doesn't say, we think. It doesn't say, man, I'm crossing my fingers. It says we know. Why? Because this promise is not based off of us. It's based off of the character of God. We know that in all things, God works for the good. All things. Even in this verse, though, is a, is a sense that it, it, the writer, Paul, knows that not all things are going to feel like they're working for our good. Not all things are going to be like, man, this hurts. It's for my good. We, we normally don't think that way. This verse gives us a, 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 some little, some, some idea that not all things are going to feel like they're working for our good. But we know in all things, pain, struggle, disappointment, family issues, we know, God, that you're going to work this out for good. The Bible is full of promises for us as believers, but this one, this one, if we can live in the confines of this promise, it will do incredible things in your life. And so this is the promise that God works all things for our good. That's the promise. God works all things for our good. If this was the filter, think about this, of your everyday life, you wake up today, wake up tomorrow, say, God, I know you're going to work all things. This will give your tired soul a very peaceful resting place. Peaceful resting place. If you live inside this promise, this promise that God works all things for our good, you will be stable and secure. And here's the truth, nothing Nothing will be able to blow you over while you're inside the walls of this promise. No calamity, no pain, no doctor's um, diagnosis, no loss, no decay, no death will keep you or will blow you around or cause you to go up and down and panic and anxious if you live inside the walls of this promise. What I love about this promise is that as I said earlier, it's not based on our ability. 
It's based on God's character and his ability. And I thank God for that. This, this promise is not based on you, your performance, how good you are, how righteous you've been. This is nothing. No, this is not that. This is, this is a promise that's based upon who God is. It's a promise that's not based on our perfection because we are not perfect. It is based upon God, a faithful, faultless, unmoving, tested, tried and true, perfect character of God. The truth is all that God can be, everything that he is, if you want to sum it all up, you could sum it up into one word, that he is good. There are, but there are some conditions of this promise, which you don't really hear about a whole lot. There are qualifications about this promise. There's a caveat attached to God working all things for your good. There's, there's a, it's not a catch, but it is a qualification. This promise actually isn't for everybody. Well, Jason, that's not true. I thought you said God was good. He is good. But the promise that we just read out of 828 is he works all things for good, which we have our next point. God works all things for good for those who love him. So this promise is for you who are in an intimate relationship with God. It's for you who are growing in your faith with God. If you love him, he will work all things for your good. The promise only applies to those who love God. And when Jesus was asked, what's the most important, greatest commandment of all? He didn't skip a beat. He just went straight to it. He said, the greatest is love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. For on, so only those who love God can claim and stand on this promise. This is so important to understand. The working of all things for your good in your life flows from your desire to know God. But notice, notice I didn't say, notice it doesn't say it flows from how much you love God. It doesn't flow from, from like how perfect, and, and so the, the more you love God or if from, you know, like a rating from one to 10, if you're like in the eight, nine range, God's working more things for your good. If you're a three range, sorry, you only get, you only get, you know, three, you know, three dividends of, of what's going on with the eight. Sorry, you just can't do it. No, that's not how it works. This is the reality that is your heart is turned towards God to love him. Your love is not going to be perfect. You can't love God perfectly. You can't, your love is imperfect. You will never love God to the measure and the perfection that he deserves. You never will. But this speaks of a heart that turns towards him. You see the, the life of David in the Old Testament. He was, he was called a man after God's own heart. His heart was turned towards God. But he made some terrible mistakes, but yet his heart was turned towards God to love him. He repented. He would run back to God when he stumbled and when he fell. He, he wasn't hardened by, by his own choices and own pride. He was, he was softened by him knowing that he has stumbled in sin and his heart was towards God. This is what the scripture is talking about. This speaks of a heart that is turned towards him, that's considerate of God's word and his heart and his desires that you the fact is this, you will not love him perfectly, but if your desire of your heart is to love him, if, this, if the desire of your soul is, God, I want to know you more and love you, he will help you love him 
He will help you grow in him, and he will work all things for your good for those who love him. That's what this passage says. So many times you'll go, gosh, Jason, I feel, I, feel, I feel guilty. Maybe I don't love him enough. Here's, here's the question. Is your heart turned towards God? Is the desire of your life to please him? Do you consider his truth as you're navigating your life? I'm not saying are you perfect. I'm saying are you considerate of him? Are you in love with him? Do you, do you come to him with your life? If the answer is yes, then this promise belongs to you. All of us are different in our journey. So not only does he work all things for those who love him, the second qualification is God works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's what the scripture says. So the, but here's the deal. These people who love God and those people who are called according to his purpose are the identical people. They're the same people. If you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Keep my what? Commandments. My mom used to use that verse on, on her three teenage boys. And I was like, Mom, Jesus said that. You can't use that against us. He said, Mom, I love you. She'd be like, if you love me, obey my commandments. Like, oh, yeah. But the fact is this. Love looks like something, doesn't it? Love looks like something. It's not just a word. It's just not, I love you. Love looks like something. In a marriage, when you say I love someone and you don't act like it, you, you run around on them, you, do your own, you lie to them, you manipulate them. You, that, how many know that's not love? You can say I love you all the time, but the spouse on the other end is going to be like, sure you do. Love looks like something. And so when you are called according to his purpose, you have a desire for obedience to him. And he said, and God says this, the most, like this whole idea, you will obey my commandments. Loving God and following his commandments are the exact same thing. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. But is it your heart's desire? Yes. Most people, when you hear, if you love me, obey my commandments, this is what you hear. Don't sin. Stop doing this. Don't do that. You can't this. If you love me, you can't do this. If you love me, you can't do that. No, 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 no. There are, there are aspects. Yes, we obey God by not giving in to our flesh, and, we, and he gives us the power to do that. But there's a flip side to this. God has a purpose on this earth that he came to fulfill through his son Jesus, that he came to fulfill through saving you. There's a purpose for you. And so God has a purpose. Obey. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Okay, what are those commandments? What does it mean? It means that there, has been a, there is a call and a commandment for you as a believer that to join God's purpose, the purposes of God, the purpose of why Jesus came, the purpose of the kingdom of God, his commandment to reach a hurting, a dying, and a broken world that needs you to be what God's called you to be wherever he has placed you, to be a light to be a, purpose, a person that carries out the purpose of God. To be a witness to those around you. This whole idea isn't about don't. It's about I want you to do this. Obey my commandments and reach those around you. Think about this. The main purpose of why Jesus came, why did God send him, was to seek and to save those who are lost. 
He didn't come to tell the world what they can't do. He came to tell the world that if you put your trust in me, what he can do through us and what we can do. That's so important we understand the difference. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do now because of who God is in your life. So being called according to his purpose is is not just about you escaping condemnation. Yes, amen, thank you, Jesus. But he redeemed you for a purpose. And you were called to join God in accomplishing his redemptive plan for the whole of the world. You are a part of that. If you want all things to work together for good, yes, love him. But out of your love for him, you, will, you are obeying his commandments. And what was the, the commandments that you have even with Jesus, with the disciples? It's, it's this whole idea that the last words of Jesus to his disciples who go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is his command. But many times us Christians get caught up on what we can't do versus saying this, God's called me to do incredible things wherever I am. And that's what I believe God wants us to step into. Listen, we know that God will restore all things one day. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. He, he wants to restore. He will restore all things one day. But he begins, he's actually already begun restoring things on this earth. And he started with restoring mankind back to God in relationships. And he's invited us to be a part of that. That he's given us what Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation. Him accomplishing his plan in each of us, through each of us. He is working all things so wherever you are, whether you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a construction worker, you work at King Supers, you're a secretary, you're a computer programmer, whatever you are, you have a purpose because you've been called according to God's purpose to be a light in the midst of darkness. God just didn't save you to save you from hell. He saved you to give you a purpose and to join with him in working his kingdom on this earth. So important. And God will work all things for those who love him and are obeying him, who have an awareness, God, you've got a call in my life. What God's saying is this. This whole idea, think about this, he will use all things, including death, including anxiety, decay, viruses, disaster, disease. Listen, this is what I love about, about God, okay? God's saying that the world's destructive design that we're seeing, right? It's winding down and actually in the hands of God becomes leverages and tools in the hand of the almighty God who will turn them and accomplish his good and use them in us and through us in the process for his purpose on earth. So if you're partnering, loving God, partnering with God, surrendering your life, partnering with God, allowing him to use you wherever you are, he is working all things for your good. Regardless of what it feels like, he's doing it. So this promise from God is for for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, given a purpose. And so I want to talk to you about the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God outside of what I just shared. Well, Scripture says this, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his son. 
So this whole idea to, for, for those God foreknew, he predestined, this was God made a choice. So the first purpose of God is the purpose of God from the beginning was to choose you. He chose you. God actively, before you existed, knew you already. The crazy thing is this. He hand-selected you to know you, to be close to him, and to be in his family. He picked you. He chose you before you even existed. I know some people get tripped up on that because they, they, this is what they think. They think that, well, because God chooses some to be saved, it must mean that he chooses some to be lost and go to hell. But here's the truth. The Bible never says that. We've got to be very careful with taking the scripture further than actually what it says. The Bible never says that. Because actually the Bible says the opposite, that it is the will of God for every person to be saved. It is the will of God for no one to ever perish. That is the will of God. God created the planet earth. Millions and millions of, before that time, before the earth was created, millions of years ago, before you were even conceived, God chose you to be part of him and to know him. Ephesians 1 says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That's what the Bible says. So it must be true. To be holy, to be blameless in his sight. In love he predestined. Now wait a minute. If he chose us to be holy and be blameless, but yet we were born not holy and not blameless. So he, he must see things differently than we, how we see it. And yet, it says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So hang on a second. He chose us to be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. God, it's so important, God is not construct, constructed, constricted to time as we are. So we see time like this. This is the beginning. This is the middle, and this is the end. But God doesn't see time that way because he, he's not bound. He's both the beginning and the end all at the same time. So God sees time. If this is your timeline. He sees if you could take it this way, squish it together, and he can move in and out. He sees it all at once. Does that blow your mind a little bit? So think about this. Before the earth was ever created, God could see the earth exactly the way it was going to be before he created it. That's why he was able to create it. He saw the earth. He saw the mountains exactly the way it is. See, God has zero limitations, including time and space. Actually, though, one limitation that he does have is the limitation of our free will to choose his pathway. He chose us, and we can choose him. But because God sees, is not constricted by time or space, he knows whether we will choose him or not. Therefore, he created us knowing that we would choose him. But he picked you. God will not force his will on anyone. He lays before you a pathway. And that pathway is forgiveness and peace and life. You can walk in his goodness. And he places that pathway before all men and women with the limits of, do you want to walk in it? Do you want to receive it? And just like God was able to see the earth before he created it, he was able to see your choice before you chose it. And that's what this means. He predestined. It's, it is, it is, it's very difficult for finite minds to embrace an infinite God. But that's what Scripture is talking about. 
God is not constrained with time. He can see you now, and he chose you. He said, I want you. I want you in my family. I want you to have peace. I will send my son because I choose you. I, I will send my son to die a horrific death because I choose you. And yet his choice, no matter how difficult we have been, was to choose us. The effects of that choice on your life are up to you. You can walk in them or you cannot, but he does choose you. He's chosen you. Are you going to choose his pathway? You begin an incredible journey once you say yes to that choice. But the second part of your purpose is this. The purpose of Jesus is not only just to choose you, but then it's to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. So scripture says this. He also predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So he saw that he has chosen you. He saw that you would choose him. And then that purpose for your life is to be conformed into the likeness of his son. A lot of people get freaked out because this predestination thing. And it just means that God had set some plans because he, he, he sees things. He knows things before they exist. He, and he set some plans on what is to become. And God has predetermined that you will grow and be conformed to the image of Jesus because he saw that you would choose him and allow him to do so. He knows also that you will allow the Holy Spirit to conform you. And this, this, this whole idea, is it your free will? Yes. Is it his choice? Yes. Does it blow your mind? Yes. Does it matter? No. Because he has done the work in you. When we came to Christ, he started the process and he began working in us. Philippians 1.6 says this, that we can be confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. On this earth, our job and our choices are to submit to God to be conformed into his image. Predestination isn't weird. We actually all do it. We do it all the time. A few weeks ago, my family and I went on a vacation to Florida, and we had, I had several things I needed to do before I got there. So I, I booked, I, we figured out the dates, I booked some flights, I've booked the place to stay, I booked a rental car, I looked, at, I looked at the restaurants I wanted to eat at because food's very important to me, and so I did that, and I began to lean, I read the Yelp reviews, and then I, then I was like, I'm going to that restaurant when we get there. I predestined it, I preplanned it. Now, here's the deal, I, did, I can't control if, if we can get there or not, we can try, I, but I, I pre-planned, I predestined, I'm going to go here. But here's the great thing about God. God planned it. He also can control whether we get there or not. He knew that you would because he saw it. Yes, he planned you, but he also saw you choosing him. God has planned a destination for me and for you. And that destination is to be like Jesus Christ if you will allow yourself to walk in that and to embrace God's choice for you. And here's the deal. God didn't choose you. God didn't save you just to take you to heaven. Like if that was the case, if that was the case, you would have, you would have got, like as soon as you gave your life to Jesus, boom, raptured in heaven. Like the church would get smaller every week. And when you showed up, I know you need to pray the sinner's prayer. I'll tell you that right now. And then maybe I'm, I'm not saved either. Oh, shoot, we're in trouble. Like, what? Well, you know, we would just be gone. But that wasn't God's purpose. 
The reason he saved you and the reason why he saved me, the reason why he calls us to be his children on this earth is because he wants to make us like Jesus so we can be conformed to his, his image on this earth. So we can express outwardly what he does on the inside. But the fact is this, many of us get caught up on, yes, right, he called me to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I need to do some miracles. That's what I need to do. That's what Jesus turned water into wine. Lord, I just pray right now that you, like, that's no. But that's what we think. You know, in uh, Bible college, I, I used to, I, you know, I, everybody wants to, for God to use in miracles. and There's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, has, you know, you think, well, if you're going to be conformed to the image, you should walk on water, right? Well, has anybody here ever tried to walk on water? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, let's be honest. Come on. Okay, all right, all right. Some of you didn't raise your hand, but that's okay. I remember we were at this, um, we have this pool party with uh, my, my Bible school class, and so we were there, and so we're talking, man, wouldn't it be great, you know, walk on water? And listen, Jesus said we do greater things than he did, and, you know, he walked on water. I, but listen, let's start there, you know, then we'll work to the greater things, right? So let's start there. So I thought, I'm going to do this, I, and I felt it, man. It was, yes, like God was like, I felt it. I thought, man, I'm going to walk on this water. Come on. So I walk over to the edge of the pool. I'm like, I'm going to walk on water. You got, watch this, fellas. You're about to see me walk on water, right? So I get ready to do it. And then I said, oh, hang on. So I, take, I took my, my wallet out, my keys, and, and my friend goes this, where's your faith? <laughs> and I said, just watch. And I stepped out on the water. I'm, I'm telling you, this really happened. I stepped out, and I put my left foot on it. And then I sunk to the bottom. That's exactly what happened. And, but we think, conform to the image of Jesus. But you need to know this. The Holy Spirit was working through the personality of Jesus. He was working through the purpose of Jesus. You are a unique individual that the Holy Spirit wants to work uniquely through you. So you were to be conformed to the image. So what does that mean? The image, does that mean like everyone has to act exactly like do all the things? No, that's not what this is meaning. What it means is you are conforming. What this is talking about is conforming of your character, of your soul, of your spirit. Galatians 5.22 lays out the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the character of Jesus. We saw Jesus demonstrate this time and time and time again, and he still demonstrates it to us today. This is who he is. This is, the, this is what we're to be conformed into his image. And so the question for all of us is this, how much, like Jesus, are you right now? Well, I'll pray for the sick. No, okay, all right, that's great. How much are you like this? I believe in the miracles today. Listen, if you're looking for someone who believes in supernatural miracles, that, that all of the Bible is true, that we can heal, we can pray for the sick, we can rebuke demons, we can prophesy, we can have words of knowledge, we can, yeah, that's me. You, you don't have to look any further. But many times we skip quickly to the miracles and the stuff we can see with our hands and, and be a tele, television evangelist abound and we can, we can draw crowds. We love that. But this is what it means to be conformed. Right here. How's your love? How's your joy? How's your peace? How's your patience? How's your kindness? How's your goodness? How's your faithfulness? How's your gentleness? How's your self 
control. A person being conformed to the image of Christ, one, they recognize they haven't arrived yet. Those who are focused on outward, outward behavior makes excuses why they can be mean and why they can not have patience and why they can chew somebody out and why they can be mean to a waitress and why they can, they can you know, tell somebody off and make them feel bad using scripture. They, 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 they have all the reasons, but the fact is this. They're not demonstrating who Jesus is. They're making excuses for their bad behavior and they're trying to make it spiritual because they do miracles. I will, I will challenge you with this. How much like Jesus are you? If I was to ask people in your life, hey, how much like Jesus are they? What would the answer be? If I were to ask people you work with, how much? Hey, let, tell me about their goodness. Are they good? Is there faithfulness there? Is there self-control? Students, if I was to ask people you go to school with how much you're like Jesus, what would they say? What would the answer be? And here's a question for all of us. How much like Jesus are we? This is what it means to be conformed. Those being conformed are like, oh, man, God. Actually, those being conformed is when you blow it with your kids. Anybody ever blown it with your kids? Come on. All right. You go to them. You say, hey, just be aware. I blew it. I was not patient with you. And just as a reminder, I'm being conformed to the image of Jesus. Haven't arrived yet, and I'm sorry. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me. Will you forgive me? That's what it means to be conformed into the image of Jesus. It's to be repentive, to be restorative, and to keep along the journey. So often I go to my kids, I'm telling you, I do it all the time. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but your pastor can be cranky sometimes when I get home from work and I've had a long day or whatever, stress, and I can snap and I can do something. And I come to my kids, I'm so sorry. I did not treat you the way that God has called me to treat you, and I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And I always say, I'm still being conformed into the image of Jesus. That is a person. That is someone who, I long to be a person who is striving because as we read in the Philippians passage, we won't reach completion until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are on a journey. Give yourself permission to go on that journey and be confirmed and, and to be conformed. It would be amazing to live in a world where everybody walked like Jesus has called us to walk. So from this passage, we've, we, we have the promise of God, the purpose of God, and now the process as we close. Number three, we have the process of God. What's the process? Well, the first process is this. He calls you. God has called you. That's his process. He calls. This whole idea, the scripture says this, those he predestined, he called. He called you. Listen, I, I know you, you've been in a place... Maybe at a, a store. Anybody ever lost a kid in a, in a, uh, in a store and all of a sudden, like, you, like, mom's there, right? And the mom turns and, like, grabs ketchup, comes back, child's gone. Like, you know, like 0.3 seconds. And then all of a sudden, you hear that child's name. Yelling, calling to that child. Calling to the child. Why? Because the, the mother is wanting to call to get a response from the child. And God calls, and then the kid's like, Mom, I'm right here. Hello, over here. I'm, I'm, I never left. You're freaking out, Mom. Chill out. 
But the fact is, it's a call. The same thing, God calls us, and God still calls people today. It means that the call is God is initiating a call to you to respond to his call, to come to wherever he is, to respond and say yes. And this is, here's the truth, God is still calling people today. God just didn't call you to be saved and to stop calling you. He calls you along your journey all the time to come closer. He calls you to do something. When I was five, I heard the call of God to give my life to him and I got saved. When I was 18, I heard the call of God to be a minister. When I was in 1999, I heard the call of God to start Bible studies in public schools in San Antonio, Texas through Youth for Christ. In 2003, Cheryl and I heard the call of God to be youth pastors here at this church. In 2006, we heard the call of God to be the worship pastor here at the church. In 2009, Cheryl and I heard the call of God to go to the nations and reach as many as we could. And we ended up in England. And we responded to the call. Then in 2013, we heard the call to come back here to faith. In 2016, we heard the call to lead Faith Bible Chapel. But in all instances, we had the, the opportunity to say yes or no. But the fact is God's still calling. Are you listening? God's still calling people to do crazy things. Are you listening? A lot of people, a lot, you know, people think God forces you to do something. No, he doesn't. He will never violate your will, ever. He might cause pain in your life to get you to move a certain direction, but he cannot violate your will to choose. Listen, maybe the call of God to you is this today. God's saying, I want you to give your life to me, or I want you to get involved in ministry and serve my people, or I want you to surrender everything. You are holding some things back in your life that you need to give to me, the call to surrender and to give it all to him. Or maybe it's a call to follow me, and and he wants to use you to do something that no one maybe has ever done before. God is calling all of us today. Are you listening? And here's the question, will you obey him? The second part of this call is he justifies us. So the scripture says he justifies you. Those he called, he justified. That simply means this, God sees you just as if I had never sinned. That's all that means. And you are in Christ And God has working his will in your life. And the last process of God is that he glorifies you. Actually, it's not glorifies, he glorified you. This passage actually is past tense. Look at this, look at the scripture. Those he justified, he also glorified. I thought glorified was in the future. No, it's already happened. You just haven't experienced it yet. Because in God's, in God's mind, in God's heart, in God's infinite life, who he is, it's already happened. Why did, it, it's already done. Here's the great truth. In the mind of God, he's not bound again to time and space, okay? So he, it's a done deal. That it's finished. You are in Christ. Glorify means one day, one day your bodies are going to be changed to be like Jesus. It's going to happen. You're going to receive full glorification. He's already seen it happen. You just haven't seen it yet. It's coming. And right now, he's changing your character. You're being conformed. And one day, your bodies are going to be changed. This, I love this passage out of Philippians 3. Look at this. Just love it. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform your lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. 
That's the promise. That's what we have. And so I want to encourage you today. God said this, it's already done. You're glorified. This is the incredible truth of this passage he chose you. Those he chose, he has predestined. Those he he justifies and he glorifies. But it's already happened in his mind. But you are still on a journey to walk in and submit to the voice of God in your life wherever you are today. So here's the question. Do you love God? If you're like, man, Jason, I, the Holy Spirit's revealing in my life that there are areas of love that has grown cold. Jesus wrote one of the churches in Revelations. He says, you have lost your first love. And here's a question. Have you? Was there a time in your life that you were more passionate about God than what you are now? Is he the center of your life? Is he the center of, 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 of your process? If the answer is no, then this is what you do. Because you're being conformed to the image, you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Renew unto me a right spirit. Put it in me. I need you, God. That is a confirmation. You're being conformed into the image of God. And God will confirm that through his peace and putting you right back where you need to be. The question is, what has gotten in the way of your love for him? Is it time that you begin to remove distraction? This is, this is what has happened through these last several months of disruption. It has brought things to, the, to, to, to a point where we have to weed out what isn't necessary and what is necessary, even as a church. Are you aligning yourself with the purposes of God? Are you, are you seeing yourself as a called individual wherever you are to make a difference? Has following God become more a religious thing or is it part of your passion? God, use me. Use me today when I live my life for you. What is God asking you to do for his purpose? What is God calling you to do? And here's the question for all of us, whatever it is that God's asking today. Will you respond with a simple word? Yes, God. Yes. And that's what God wants to reveal to us today. This is our constant, us being conformed into the image of Jesus. Not about our acts, about our character and our hearts. Will you submit to him? Will you hear him? And will you follow him? Let me pray for you today. Father, I want to thank you today for your word, your word that speaks to us, your word that challenges us, your word that helps us see you in a light that's just so massive it's hard to really wrap our heads around it, but also the same thing, we're able to see you calling us specifically today. Lord, I know there are people here that would recognize my love has grown cold. And I can tell not just from the feeling, but God, I've allowed compromise in my life and I've just let it keep growing. And Lord, I'm sorry. I want my obedience to you to be a result of my love to you. So Lord, today we, we ask you to forgive us, to cleanse us, and for us to align ourselves with your life. God, for those here today that you are, they are struggling with a deep sense of condemnation a deep sense of guilt, of past sin. And they believe the lie from the enemy that 
somehow their past is a factor about what you want to do with them in the future. But Lord, remind them today that's not how you work. Lord, remind them that they have been justified in you, Christ Jesus, that the old is gone and the new is for them to live. Lord, today I pray that you would set them free to walk and live the life that you've called them to walk and to live. God, I pray that you would bless them right now in the name of Jesus. Remove all condemnation in Jesus' name. God, I know there are those here today who are feeling your call right now. Maybe it's a call to something different. Maybe it's a call to a, a, a new place. Maybe it's a call to a, a ministry. Maybe it's a call to something else. But Lord, your call is still there. And you're calling us even today to surrender it all. You're calling us today to, to ask you to cleanse us. We're, you're calling us today to ask us to be conformed more and more to your image. And we say yes to you. So right where you are today, regardless of what God's asking you to do, you know, Holy Spirit's able to do that. Can we just say yes to him? To just say it out loud. Say yes, God. We say yes to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Just remain with the heads bowed just for a moment. If you're here today and you'd say, I don't know Jesus Christ, or you're joining us online and you recognize that you don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to him today and you want to make things right and come into why you were created on this earth into a relationship with him. If you want to align yourself with his choice he's placed before you and you want to give your life to Jesus today, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand right now and hold it up. This is your moment. Don't let this moment slide. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Leave your hand up please so I can see you today thank you God bless you anyone else raise your hand you can put your hands down thank you God bless you if you're joining us online and you want to do the same you want to give your life to just raise your hand just even if it's just you and God just raise it as a sign of submission and saying yes to God and we're going to pray a prayer if you pray it and believe it the Bible says you will be saved so church let's pray it with everybody that's going to be praying this from their hearts today. Come on, say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I commit my life to you. And I give you my heart. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And with your help, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. Amen. If you, um, if you gave your life to Jesus today, really important that you text SAVE to this number on the screen. Those online, you can see it. Text SAVE to that number, and you will get a text from us helping you along the journey. So let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to pray a blessing over you and your family today, and we're going to go and be everything that God's called us to be. If, if, you, if you would be willing, could you just lift your hands as a sign of surrender and receiving from the Lord? Lord, in the name of Jesus, you know every family, every need. And God, in Jesus' name. I pray for every home, every person, every individual, and I pray your blessing over them. God, I pray for the strengthening of the relationships, for the strengthening of the relationships between husband, wife, family, whoever it may be. God, I pray that your presence would be evident in the midst of their home. God, for 
individuals and single people, God, I pray that you would give them peace and rest and security and who you have made them to be. God, I ask you that you would open doors before them, that you would go in, in places they haven't been to prepare opportunities that they don't even know is there. God, I ask you for our family in this body here that you would set your angels around them for protection over their minds, over their spirits. God, I ask you that you would prosper them. And Lord, I want to thank you today that regardless of what we face and what we go through, I want to thank you that your promise is the gates of hell. No strategy of hell, no strategy of demons over our families will prosper in the name of Jesus because the church will not back down and Satan will not prevail over our lives. In Jesus' name we all say Amen and amen. Listen, God bless you. Have a great day.